time for Love Talk with the lovelies, Evelyn, Kathy, and Carrie. Love talking today about women in the word. Thanks, Gavin. We are in the studio today, and it's a, a wonderful day today because, oh, Miss Carrie, we've got our friend, Miss Kathy, with us. Oh, it's so great to have you in studio, Kathy. Welcome back. It's great to be here. Love being with you guys. I can't believe this. Like three weeks in a row, first hand in stone, then the first part of Esther, and now we get to finish off Esther today together in studio. Friends, it's awesome to be with you today in the beautiful Austin, Texas. Uh, well, now, Kathy, we're sad because you do have to go back to Boise, Idaho at some point. We can't keep you here indefinitely. Uh, I'm sure your children would be happy to have you back. Uh, but this is kind of wrapping up, uh, I guess, a chapter in your lives. You're you're selling your, your home here in Texas. Yeah. I, actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this because there's no tissue anywhere <laughs> around. So, But, you know, right now um, it is a time where we are having to say goodbye to something that is very dear to us that we thought would be part of our lives into our kind of grandparenting years. And so God has had other plans for us. We keep trying to get back to our plan. We keep trying to, you know, we think, okay, this is just a a short uh, uh, rabbit trail, and we're going to get back on track according to our plans. And we've been trying that for four years. It hasn't happened. And so now we're just uh, choosing to submit to God's plan, to choose him. And so we are selling our house in Georgetown, Texas. It's a hard thing for us. Eric and I had a few minutes just to kind of pray over the property and prepare Mm -hmm. it for that next family that he has for that, for that property. And um, that they would really use that property to to glorify him and to draw closer together as a family as well. So, you know, but there are these times in our lives where, you know, God says, will you give up something you love for Mm -hmm. something you love more? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of where we're at. We're, we're saying, okay, yes, Lord, we will give up something that we love for something that we love more. Well, you, when you look at a family uh, and, and, we, you know, we've gone through the early part of Esther's life, and we're going to be talking about Esther today. Uh, a family is a family, and it is hard to meet the needs of everyone in your family. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, it's just like a big world, and it's all twirling, and, you know, you you choose this one for this one and this one for this one. But I, when we moved to Austin, we moved from a ranch, and uh, Van traveled. Mm-hmm. And our oldest son was 14, and we ran the ranch. I mean, we just it, it, we cut school bus, all those things. And overnight, that changed when Van was said, you are moving. God said, you're moving. And I said, where to? And he said, Round Rock, Texas. I said, I don't know a Round Rock, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, Kathy, these are precious years for you mm-hmm. and and Eric, and I know that it, you are depositing in the lives of these young women gifts and power and strength that they will use the rest of their life. And we're talking about womanhood. And here it is. You've got these three, three precious, beautiful girls. Well, and talk about womanhood. You know, our firstborn, our oldest now, she's going to be graduating and she is going to be venturing out into her own womanhood, her own life, this adulthood. Matter of fact, she turned 18 mid-January and she goes, now, mom, you realize 
this means that if I don't want to go somewhere or be somewhere, I don't have to because I'm an Ooh. adult. <laughs> so I said, I am telling every single one of your teachers that. And um, it was so funny. I mean, you know, she just says it with love in a very respectful uh, way. She but, is but precious. we told her, I'm like, baby, you have to be the anchor for Texas. So she's looking at uh, Baylor and SMU. There's one school in, in Santa Barbara, Westmont, that she's looking at as well. But, um, you know, so we're, you know, she's going to be maybe the end of Brock that anchors us back in Texas, helping mm-hmm. us to eventually get back here. Wow. What adventures you guys have been on? Well, I, I got to tell you, it's been absolutely delightful to have you here for the 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 last few weeks. What a, what a great time we've had. And it just makes us miss her more when she leaves. Right, Miss Evelyn? <laughs> well, yes. But, you know. The time we're living in right now is absolutely astounding. Right. You know, I mentioned I grew up in in radio, and we just had a, a, a record player and one little microphone. And now, you know, with all the equipment that we have... We, you know, we are known worldwide. And, you know, we're able to stay connected with our friends worldwide, mm-hmm. the women and the men. I got so excited when we were um, we were on air, I think it was two Saturdays ago, and a man uh, gets on Facebook and writes us a comment, says, listening in and loving the show, ladies. Thank you. And <laughs> I just, that just touched my heart. And so I love it when we do hear from our listeners, men and women, and wherever you are in the world, we just uh, send out to you a warm hello. Hello, and a big hug from all three love ladies going out to you. And now, Carrie, we decided to keep our same key verse for this week as we did for last week because I just it, it ties what we're talking about together so well. What 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 is that? Well, I think the important well this verse is amazing, but it's important to remember that this was written by a king, a man. Um, who was mentored uh, apparently phenomenally well by his mother. And he writes these words in Proverbs, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Proverbs 31, verses 10 and 11. What a beautiful verse penned by a man who was obviously thankful for um, his mother's guidance and was was seeking a wife to to respect and love. Now, last week, ladies, we talked about, we're in the book of Esther, right? It's about uh, 10, 15 pages long, something like that. It's a great little book filled with oh, all kinds of things, love and treachery and deception and beauty and... Um, Sex, sex, Zeus. No, no, that's right. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a, it's a great, it's a great story, and we looked at the first woman that was mentioned in this book is Queen Vashti. Now, I learned a lot from Queen Vashti as we talked about her last week. Uh, Kathy, what what was something you learned from Queen Vashti last week? Uh, you know, from Queen Vashti, it was how, so one, the fact that she wouldn't go down with a commoner, she stayed up with the upper crust. I always need to remember, mm-hmm. no matter what position you ascend to, you need to maintain the integrity and mm-hmm. grace of who you were before you ascended to that 
position. Mm. And, you know, we don't we don't really get any insights into what Vashti was like before she became queen. Um, we, we do with Esther. So that's nice. We get to we get to see that. But it just it reminds me with Vashti. I would have liked to have seen her having just a few of the common folk invited or a lot of the common folk, just a lot of those women invited to her party. But instead, she limited her celebration to only the palace women, whereas to the king's celebration, everyone was invited. So um, I just for me, it's it's. To maintain that humility and grace, no matter what position you ascend to. I think for me with Vashti, you know, um, her husband had been drinking. It was the last day of the celebration, and he orders her to come before him uh, so he can show off her beauty. Well, her words back to him are harsh. It's, no, I'm not coming. I, in fact, never. I'm done. And... You know, this just really socked me in the gut. Our words to our husbands matter. Mm-hmm. Now, she she didn't get a nice request. He didn't say, oh, Vashti, I miss you. Please come see me. Mm-hmm. No. Um, but her response to him is harsh. And he does not respond well to that. I know in my own life when my response to my husband is harsh or when I'm in a funk or when we're in a funk that he kind of gets in a funk in the rest of his world. Yes. And that's a big responsibility when I think about that. Like mm-hmm. then he's just not as productive at work or maybe he's just spinning his wheels at work and he'll say, well, I just, I just wasn't very productive today. Well, I wonder if that had anything to do with me, right? Did I cause that? Was he thinking about how I could have responded better? You know, when there's just, when there's tension, neither one feels good about what they're about to approach in their day. And so ladies, I think this is important for us. Uh, Men, this is important for us. The words that we speak to one another and how we speak to one another is important because ultimately, um, like we looked at a, a verse in Proverbs 15:1 last week that said uh, a, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word sparks up anger uh, or stirs up anger. You know, a gentle answer can do so much for the hearts in our households. So Vashti kind of she she kind of got me where 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 it's a little personal there. Um, but we're looking at Esther now. We see Vashti. Who is beautiful, but disobedient and a bit stubborn. But how Kathy pointed out that as soon as we meet Esther, it is a 100% clear that she is not only beautiful, but she is obedient as well. And we see that in her relationship mm-hmm. with Mordecai, right. who raised her. And, and this is the thing I love about the obedience. They are very clear that obedience is not a weakness issue. Oh, it is good. not a, about a timid issue. It is a willingness and a choice issue. And um, so with with Esther, it has really reworked my understanding of obedience because, you know, it's not obedience when you have no other choice or obedience when you can't get your way. This is obedience when you can choose to do your own thing. You can get your own way, but you choose obedience Mm. instead. And and that's... That takes respect. 
you know, it's not something you just manufacture overnight, but it, it is a gradual coming to know that in every um, situation we have, every responsibility we have, that we have to owe respect to that position, if nothing else, and, and make it easier for it to be done a way that would bring honor and glory to the Lord and to us. You know, it's it's a lot easier to respect someone you love, but require love is not a requirement for respect. You can still choose to show respect and give respect to someone even when you don't feel a whole lot of love towards that person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, friends. Esther, when we return, we'll find uh, out more about Esther, how she doesn't seek wealth, how she seeks wisdom. As we walk through this path with this beautiful queen, right after these messages, right here on Love Talk. And welcome back to Love Talk, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock in studio with the amazing Evelyn Davison and the brilliant coach Carrie Brinkater. <laughs> and we are talking about women in the word and focusing on Esther. So we have, last week we did the first in this series. And if you weren't able to join us last week, we encourage you to go to our archives at the lovetalknetwork.com pull up that show to listen to. It'll help give you a little bit of historical background on the book of Esther, a little bit more meat around Vashti. Um, but we're going to get into, and it'll help you understand a little bit more the history around around the person, Esther, before she became queen. Now, where we left off last time and where we're going to step into it today, Carrie and Evelyn, last time, uh, our last show, we ended where Esther had just completed her year of beauty treatments. She had found favor with Hegai, who is the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the king's harem. Uh, matter of fact, the the scripture says that Esther found favor with everyone who saw her. So she had to be very beautiful and very gracious. Um, and so now she is her her one night with the king is coming up and she can take anything she wants to um, to go before she goes to see the king and anything she takes, it will be hers. Whether he chooses her as queen or not, she will get to keep it, but she doesn't choose the jewels. She doesn't choose the, the jewelry and the, and the uh, gold. Instead, she goes to Haggai and she only takes what he suggests mm-hmm. that she take, which I think is brilliant because who's going to know the king better than her? Because she doesn't really know the king at all, right? She better goes, than Haggai. Yes. Right, yeah. she, she goes to Haggai, he, the king's eunuch, who has been with the king forever, and she says, you tell me what to bring. How insightful is that? She's after the wisdom and not the wealth. It's 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 incredibly insightful, and in the scripture we don't know what he tells her to take. Um, we have no idea, but the point that she is um, crafty enough, uh, aware enough, insightful enough to understand that hey, this guy knows. I'm going to ask him. But you know what she did? She prayed. Before she did, you she, keep saying that, Miss Evelyn, and you're right. That's right. You know, we <laughs> we can look at her, a beautiful young girl, uh, probably a virgin, uh, because that's what the the group was, and yep. was waiting for that one time when she would be able to go before the king. But she also had this knowledge of who she was and her inheritance, like with you, Kathy, 
and how important that was that she had been placed in a position where she could make a difference in what happened in our nation. And that is so needed in America today. We, and Evelyn, you drew out before, you know, because when, when we are introduced to Esther, you know, all the when, when they um, sent out word that all of the young virgins are to be gathered to present to the queen for him to, to present to the mm-hmm. king for him to choose a new queen. A lot of young women rushed to the gate, but but Esther had to be taken. So she really she was here against her will. She really didn't want this. And um, one of your favorite things, Evelyn, you were saying is that you loved it because she didn't sulk and Esther did not sulk and carry on like a victim whose life had been ruined. Instead, Mm -hmm. she stepped up and continued to move forward with grace, with prayer, stepping Mm -hmm. into the situation um, and submitting to the situation with um, with grace and with dignity. And also knowing how important it was for the given time. Because it was not just her family. You know, her family was there limited, but her nation. And when we look at America today, you know, he God's raising up people just like Esther. Mm. You know, they, the customs are different. But he's raising up a generation. And we heard about some of that when... Uh, when the president had his uh, speeches recently, there is a plan, I do believe, for our nation in regard to what we as women need to be doing. And that is we have got to point every, every decision we make, we need to make, we must point toward the Lord and the Savior because we don't have the balance. We don't have those things to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And God has a plan for everyone, had a plan for for. Esther, and she understood that plan. And so, as women, we must understand the plan that God has. I mean, committing all things to the Lord in prayer. I think with patience, with thanksgiving, with praise, and understanding then that he promises that that your heart and mind are going to be covered in, in the peace of Christ, a peace that it passes anyone's understanding. You cannot wrap your head around it. But he will wrap his spirit around you and bring peace over the situation. And that's what we see Esther responding with, a place of wisdom and in, in, in a, from a place of peace and not any sort of a frantic nature. And so what happens? Esther goes before the king and she wins. It's, it, it calls out three things. It doesn't just say, ooh, it, you know, he really liked her a lot. I mean, it uses Three words, you know, sparks have got to be flying here. It says she wins his grace. Mm. She wins his favor and she wins his love, right? Love, that good old love. This guy's head over heels, right? King Xerxes like, who is this girl? Oh, my goodness. And so in the scripture, in the text, it very quickly moves to, um, that he is taken by her and he selects her as queen and throws a huge celebration. I mean, he does not waste time. He doesn't say, well, let me think about, you know, I, I've only seen this number. I Maybe I need to see a few more virgins. I'm really not sure. Oh, no. It's like it stops. He is completely taken with her grace, favor, and love. The whole package, this common girl, a young orphan foreigner, becomes queen over all of Persia. And yet, 
it doesn't go to her head. We're going to see this in a few minutes. It doesn't go to her head. We are going to see the same gracious Queen Esther as we see in the commoner Esther. And th- this is rough because I've, I've had these experiences. It's easy for positions mm-hmm. to go to your head. But as followers of Christ, we have to remember that we, too, have the grace and favor and love of the King of Kings, right? I mean, ladies, we do. And so we need to make sure that and, and ask ourselves and hold us ourselves accountable. Are we as gracious as Esther was with our noble status? Do we continue to be that same gracious person um, as the daughter of a king? elevated to this this noble status okay so carrie i have a question for you because you are just so kind and so caring and yet you have been in very elevated positions in women's basketball receiving awards Mm -hmm. that that coaches would work their career for and not be able to attain and have you have you ever been in a new position or or been promoted, received an honor, and has it ever gone to your head or, or, or kind of gotten you you puffed up? And and if so, how did you get your feet back on the ground? Well, it, it happened when I I hadn't received an honor when this happened. One of the best teams I ever coached um, was back in my my Blend College days and. We were so good, and I thought this team could be very special. And we actually uh, were 22-7 and seven at one point in the season, and that, that's pretty good. And we, were, we had just won a huge game. We had beaten one of our conference opponents who we had lost to before, and we were feeling good. And so we knew our next opponent was – not good. They were at the bottom of the conference. They, they, they just weren't any good. And we did not, I did not prepare my team mentally for that next game. We kind of did the same things we had always done in practice. And, you know, we were just feeling good about ourselves. We were feeling a little puffed up, like (laughs) no way we're going to walk into that other gym and they're going to beat us. We're too good. Uh, we walked into that gym in Houston, and that team that was at the bottom of the conference beat us. And we were we just we didn't even know what happened. And we walked off the court going, "What on earth just happened?" Mm-hmm. You know, we scrambled in the last you know five six minutes of the game to try to pull it out, and I think we ended up losing by two or three points. But the point is, we lost to a really bad team, and we were really good. We didn't prepare our hearts and our minds to walk mm-hmm. into that gym. And so you better believe we all got refocused after that game because we wanted to head to the national tournament. We wanted to win the conference and win the league and, and, and go and keep playing. And we couldn't lose to bad teams if we expected to do that. And so we got knocked down a couple of rungs. Our little pride got hurt, and we walked into the gym, our gym, the next day for practice, refocused and ready to to take on new challenges. We got comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we can do in our Christian walk sometimes. We get comfortable. Oh, God, everything's going well. Like, yeah, and you owe me. I got this, right? Mm-hmm. I got this. And... Then something will happen that will literally bring us to our knees, and we go, "Oh Lord, I, 
I I don't got this. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Lord, I don't have this. I I'm not I'm not okay. Um, I'm feeling rather broken, and I do need you. I know you've been here, but I haven't been looking to you. But I I, I do need you. It's um, you know, it's it's hard sometimes when we have to come to this point of brokenness before we realize how much we really do need the Lord. Well, I think Esther was way more mm-hmm. wise, uh, had much more wisdom than I do because she realized this all the way through. As you continue to point out, Miss Evelyn, that I love you, continue to bring it back to prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what was, this, what was the difference between her and Vashti is, is Esther prayed about this. Mm-hmm. She sought wisdom. She, I, I'm sure she sought it on a daily basis. Or else she wouldn't have handled this very well, I don't think. She just got, she's 14 years old, maybe 15 by this point. Mm-hmm. We don't know. She's a teenager. She's been just been crowned the queen of the largest empire in, a, in the world, probably, mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. The Persian Empire. And she continues to act with grace and dignity. Friends, we're going to learn more about Esther and how she acted with grace and dignity. When we return to Love Talk, Miss Evelyn's going to walk us through what was Esther like as a wife? How did she handle this? When we return to Love Talk, right after this. Hello, friends. Welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You have found the love, ladies. We're so happy that you are with us today on Love Talk. What a great way to spend your Saturday afternoon with the love, ladies. Kathy Enderbrock, Evelyn Davison, and I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater. Great to have you with us. What, Queen Esther, she's, she's wise. She's been praying. She's been seeking God's wisdom. And she, uh, the queen, the, the king liked her. And uh, she became queen instantly, basically. And uh, she accepted her position with grace and with dignity. And we're going to find that she lives this way. This is who she is. Now, Miss Evelyn, we know a lot about Queen Esther. We see her beauty. We see her kindness. We see her graciousness. What was she like as a wife? Well, I think she was a communicator, number one. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, she she talked and she listened. Mm-hmm. And she gave him honor. Uh, and, you know, to be young, that's quite a great combination God's put together. And we have to start remembering now, God's put her in this position to save a nation. You know, sometimes we see ourselves in this position just to save our marriage or save, you know, our family or whatever. And the other thing is she spent a lot of time with the king. You know, she wasn't just absent or she was available to him is, I guess, the best way. And we know that um, after four years uh, in, she was married, she was concerned because for about 30 days past since she had not been with him. And it was not normal. See, she, she had been used to having him being his point of attention every day. And so that happens in careers. It happens in when kids go off to college. It happens when there's, a, a, you know, sickness or something or a tragedy in the family. It, it, that closeness has to be availability. You've got to make yourself available. And I think she's a good example for women today. Evelyn, I love that you said that she was a great communicator and, you know, she talked and she listened. 
And okay, so listening friends, uh, you are great communicators. <laughs> if you are listening, uh, you are doing a large portion of communicating. So you can add that to your resume. And so it's so important that when we are uh, with others that we are doing our fair share of listening, but that we are also talking and engaging. And, you know, we know that she talked with King Xerxes because there was this plot to poison the king. And so Mordecai, her uncle, hears about this plot and tells Esther. And Esther is spending time with the king, and she shares the plot with the king. And just like we see in that verse in Proverbs, he trusts her. So the king acts on this rather than going, oh, Esther, you're just a cute little lady. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. No one would dare try and assassinate me. No, the king values her. He listens to her and he acts on this information that she gives him. And they catch the people that were uh, plotting to murder him. And so and this is going to come back as a really unique twist later on in the story. And so we know that she spends a lot of time with the king. And this is very interesting because um, after four years of marriage, she is really concerned because 30 days have passed, as you were saying, Mm -hmm. since she'd been with the king. But this is what gets me, because I'm thinking there were no airplanes in these days. Right. And we had said telephones. That's right. No telephones, no texting, anything like that. And we said earlier that King Xerxes kingdom spanned all the way from what is now India all the way to Greece. So that's Asia, Africa, and Europe. That's a vast empire. And you know he would have been going and visiting with nobles and, uh, you know, checking on things. And so he would have had to have gone away. And these are not quick trips. Baby, I'm getting on a jet plane <laughs> and I'll be right back. No, I mean, he had to go out on, on saddle with his troops. And, you know, this was long days that he must have been away. So after four years... There's no way he stayed in that palace all four years. So he must have been going on these excursions. So I'm guessing he probably took Esther with him a couple of times here because if she hadn't seen him in 30 days and that was a big deal, that means that that probably hadn't happened before mm-hmm. during these this four-year time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, and I had a, a, a Dean Vallon. He's just was an amazing mentor to me. Eric and I were looking at um, job opportunities. I had just done a, a hotel opening in Melbourne, Australia, and he was working in Melbourne. We both had our visas, and there was an opportunity to go and do a hotel opening in Hong Kong. And I talked with Dean Vallon about it because it was a great, great opportunity. We didn't have children at the time. We didn't want children. We weren't, we weren't really walking with the Lord. We didn't have our hearts turned towards him. And... Um, And so I thought this is kind of a great opportunity, and they would fly Eric up. They'd fly me back. And Dean Valen said, you never, never, never work in a different location than your husband. Never. And so it stopped that dead in its tracks. And so um, time apart can cause conflict in a marriage. And I just, Carrie, you brought up earlier for our our troops, you know, whose spouses are away, our hearts go out to you. And we just pray that the Mm -hmm. Lord would bind your hearts together through his Holy Spirit as as your husband is away or as your your wife is away serving this country, that he would protect your marriage and, and guard your heart through that very difficult situation. So we do see that conflict does arise. So it's not all happy, happy Mm -hmm. for Esther. Um, There is conflict in the palace. There is some scheming going on. And so what 
Carrie, <laughs> when when this conflict comes up, what does Esther what does Esther do? How does she respond? Well, she's wise, and as Evelyn <clears throat> has said, I'm sure she prayed about this. When conflict arises, Esther doesn't seek to save herself. She does not seek the easy way out. She seeks God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is one of those moments where she probably goes, Lord, I see no way out here. I I literally see no way out. So so what is the conflict? Let's let's talk about that. Haman, he's the most elevated, most trusted of the king's advisors, a man of great power. He hates the Jewish people. Now remember, friends, Esther, Hadassah, mm-hmm. is Jewish. But nobody knows that. And so this Haman, most trusted advisor, he hates Jewish people. And everyone is required to bow to Haman. Mordecai, Esther's uncle who has raised her, refuses to bow to Haman. And this infuriates him. I don't know. I see Haman as... um, you know, one of those guys who, who just commands respect, but he's done nothing to earn it. He's done nothing. You know, he's been elevated to this to this powerful position. Um, but I don't know. I kind of see him as that little mousy person <laughs> in the corner or something. I don't know. Anyways, that's just me. Haman decides he's going to deceive the king, right? And he secures the king's approval to completely annihilate the entire nation of Israel. Every Jew throughout this Medo-Persian empire would be destroyed and his wealth would be confiscated. So Haman, he's angry. He's, he's, the, he's the guy that's like, oh, psh, you're not going to bow to me. I'll show you. I'm just going to eradicate all of your people and I'm going to take everything that you have. <laughs> I, I, I Talk about throw a little hissy fit, right? So an edict with the king's seal is sent out, and whenever there was an edict with the king's seal, this was the law. This was the law of the land. This could not be revoked. And Esther's people have roughly three months before they're all to die by the sword. So this is Esther's problem, Kathy, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. She's like, Lord, um, I love you. I'm a Jew. My people, what what am I going to do? I mean, Haman has no idea that Queen Esther is a Jew. No one in the palace knows. Not even the king. So, Kathy, Mordecai, again, in his wisdom, who he has obviously passed on this search, this quest for wisdom, goes to Esther. And um, so because Esther actually sees Mordecai down at the palace gate, like with ashes on his head and in these um, horrible garments. And she's like, what is going on? So she she uh, gets she so she goes and talks with with Mordecai and Mordecai explains this is the situation like all of the people are going to be murdered, killed, Mm -hmm. everything. It's a complete wipeout. Um, and, and, you know, Haman has, has organized this in a very deceptive way with the king. And Mordecai tells Esther, you have to go to the king and save us. There is no other way for us to be saved. And, you know, Esther's got goosebumps. Yeah, Esther's <laughs> a little bit kind of, you know, fearful. Oh, my goodness, because here's the catch. If you go to the king unsummoned, it is death. Yeah. And she has not seen the king in 
30 days, which is kind of a big deal. So, you know, she is very, very, uh, she, she knows that if she goes to the king, it can be kind of, uh, her life will be immediately terminated. And so Mordecai says, look, you do not know, but possibly you have been put into this position that you have been put in for such a time as this. And if you do nothing, your family, you may die, your family will die, but God will raise up salvation from somewhere. I mean, mm-hmm. Mordecai is really trusting the Lord in this, but mm-hmm. he tells Esther, you may be that answer. You mm-hmm. may be the salvation. You may be put in this position that you've been put in for this very moment. And so Esther commits to pray and fast for three days. And she tells Mordecai, you go tell all the Jews to pray Pray. and fast with me for three days. And at the end of those three days, I will go before the king. And if I die, I die. She says, if I perish, I perish. So we see that that, um, Esther wraps herself in this wisdom that, that God has orchestrated this, that God has made her queen for such a time as this. She resolves to approach the king uninvited. And so this lady, this is what a real woman does. This is what a woman with dignity does. She is willing to put her life at risk. She is willing to sacrifice everything to save the life of another. Every plan Esther had, every hope for happiness, she is willing to sacrifice that. She found herself in a situation where she could choose her perfect life or she could choose the life of another. And our heroine stepped up and stepped up and risked everything with her eyes and her hope fixed on God. So is Esther going to die? Is God going to raise up salvation from somewhere else? Are the Jews going to be annihilated? We're going to get to see what happens right after this. Stay with us for Love Talk. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Love Talk with the Love Ladies. What what happened to Queen Esther? So she she tells Mordecai, okay, I'm going to fast and pray for three days. I want all the Jewish people to fast and pray for three days. And at the end of this three days, Kathy, she decides, okay, I'm going to approach the king, knowing that she could die approaching the king uninvited. I picture this like long banquet room with the king sitting in a place of prominence, like, you know, 50 yards away. And she steps into the threshold of the door. And can you imagine? I'm sure her heart was in her throat. And she probably couldn't breathe. And she needed to just take a deep breath because she was approaching the king without being summoned. What happens? So the only thing that is going to save her is if the king extends what is called the golden scepter. It's basically his extension of mercy to the person uh, approaching him. And this gets me because the Lord, our God, our king, will always extend that golden Mm. scepter. We never have to worry about being put to death. We only know, we know every time that for us approaching our king always means life upon life and never death. So Esther walks in. I imagine everyone is just hushed because the last queen got put to death, right? Because she didn't approach him. 
she wouldn't come when he, when she was summoned and now Esther is coming when she has not been summoned but she walks in and it says it does he does not hesitate he extends that golden scepter extending his mercy to Esther now not only does he extend this scepter but he welcomes her and she approaches him and he says Esther what is going on? Ask anything that you would like up to half of my entire kingdom and it will be given to you. Wow. That, I mean, you can just, his love, his respect, his trust. I mean, you have to trust a person to say, I will give you half my kingdom if you ask for it. And Esther asks for one thing. She asks for the king to attend a banquet that she herself would prepare. And she asks that he would bring his most trusted advisor, Haman, to the banquet. Now, this is going to kill me because we have to fast forward through this because we are in our last segment and we want to meet Zeresh and see what we can learn from her. But this is amazing that Esther has the king and Haman at a banquet. At the end of it, the king offers her the same thing. Ask whatever you want up to half the kingdom, uh, half the kingdom. And she invites him to one more banquet. She goes, just one more banquet. Come and join me for one more banquet the following day. And so they go to that. And at the end of that, the king goes to her and says, all right, I'm on the edge of my seat here. You have got to end this and tell me what is going on. What is your request? You have got to tell me whatever it is. I want you to know the answer is yes. I will give it to you, whatever you ask. And and Esther opens her heart and 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 it basically reveals her identity and says that an enemy is plotting to kill all of her people. She um, she says that she is a Jewess and that this plot is to kill the entire Jewish nation and that only the king can save them. And the king says, well, who on earth would do such an evil thing? And she says, your most trusted advisor, Haman. And so it says the king walks out of the room. Haman knows he is in big trouble and he begs the Queen Esther. Uh, she, he says that he basically accosts her and falls on her. And the king walks back into the room and says, you're even going to assault my queen right in front of me <laughs> in my own palace. And it is basically heads off for Haman. He, uh, they put a, a cap over his head. The king's um, guards take him away. And that is the last we see of Haman. He is hung on the same gallows. And we've kind of skipped over this part of the story. He has actually prepared gallows to hang Mordecai. And he ends up getting hung on those exact same gallows. So, so, all right, I want to... I, I, she has a lot of physical value to her husband, um, but it really doesn't go much further than that. She she had many sons, gave him many sons, but she did not give him any wise counsel or wisdom. And, you know, I, I find that... God has made us uniquely so different than our men. 
and they can give us wise counsel in things that we wouldn't necessarily think about. And it is our responsibility and our duty to do the same for them, to kind of bring out that softer side or bring out that um, intuition that I think we a lot of times have as women. And Zeresh did not do that. We see this in two circumstances. Her husband, Haman, is joy-filled at this invitation to attend, you know, Queen Esther's banquet. I can just imagine him feeling so puffed up about it, right? But yet he's distracted by Mordecai, who won't bow to him. So he's, he's excited about this opportunity, but yet he's distracted. Friends, have you ever been distracted by that one thing? That keeps bothering you, that takes your eyes off of the Father. I you to think about that as we look at one more thing. And Zeresh knows that her husband is distraught by an unexpected turn of events, which put his future in jeopardy, right? So she knows that he's upset about, uh, oh, yeah, whoops, I was the one who said kill all the Jews, right? So Jeresh is all too willing to add to her husband's pride and feed his jealousy rather than offer wisdom, temperance, and humility. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kathy, what, what happens here? I mean, Jeresh, you know, this is see? really interesting. So the very first time when, when uh, Haman comes and he's invited to this banquet, but he's distracted, like you said, about his just this bitterness towards Mordecai, Zeresh and some of his advisors offer him this basically feed his ego and feed his vengeance rather than trying to turn a soft word and say, hey, don't worry about Mordecai. Yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, you should be mad yeah. at him. Yeah. Yes. How dare he? And she, so it was it was Zeresh that basically said, yeah, go and build a 75-foot high gallows and you can see Mordecai swing on that gallows. Don't, you, don't let him bother you, baby. We're going to be seeing him hang soon enough. And and so it, she doesn't turn towards the gentle, wise advice. She feeds that bitterness. She feeds mm-hmm. that that jealousy. And then in the second circumstance, and uh, we've skipped over this part of the story, friends. I really encourage you to go back and read it. There is a a very unique turn of events where Mordecai is actually exalted as the one who mm-hmm. had revealed mm-hmm. the plot to murder the king, and the king honors him. By making Haman parade Mordecai through the city streets saying, this is what happens to one who the king honors. And so um, Haman is kind of brought low. Mordecai is elevated and exalted. And at this point, Haman is thinking, oh, my goodness, I may be in some sort of trouble here because this is not going as planned. And instead of offering comfort to her husband and praying for her husband and recognizing his potential demise, Zeresh completely abandons him emotionally and basically says, yeah, your downfall is certain. You need to be, you know, you basically, you have every right to be upset. Your downfall is certain. I mean, it's a very condemning response. And so in Zeresh, we... We get to see that this, how a wife can really influence her husband towards godliness or towards evil, to life or to destruction, to encourage him or discourage him. And and Zeresh throughout 
um, both of these situations where um, Haman is on the top of the world and then where Haman is distraught, she feeds the vengeance and gives discouragement Mm -hmm. rather than upholding him. You know, I was listening to a pastor earlier this week. Um, He said he's only known the Lord for almost six years. And I was I was really taken aback by that because as the man preached the word, I just thought, wow, you've only been walking with the Lord for six years. And it was obvious that he that he was um, walking in God's path because he was bringing it. And one thing that he said, he said, you know, a lot of us pastors, we don't like to talk about that. We go through struggles with our wives. You know, we everybody thinks that we should be perfect and that our lives are great. But he said, until we get our lives right with God, our marriages will not be right. Mm-hmm. No matter how many promises you make, no matter how many times you say, yes, I'm going to do that next time. You won't until your life is right with God. Our marriages will not be right. And we see that here with Zeresh, and we see that with Esther. Esther goes and she prays, and she's she's seeking God's wisdom, and she's seeking God's God's favor. And her husband says, "Welcome. What do you need?" I I think he I think all of the communication and all of the time that they had spent together, he could just tell when she walked in that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. What an amazing intuition because they knew each other so well and I think that speaks highly friends there's so much in this book of Esther Esther chooses obedience over over her own life I mean she risks her life she is a true heroine she doesn't seek wealth she seeks wisdom what are you seeking today friends what are you seeking are you seeking the Lord in the decisions that are facing you today? Are you seeking the Lord in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships? How are you finding that? The Lord says to put him first. Friends, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you have joined the Love Ladies today on Love Talk. We encourage you to find that church tomorrow and go spend time with a community of believers. Thank you for joining us on Love Talk. And we'll see you next week as we look at more women in the word next week on Love Talk.